Prime Minister, Alison Seabank. Number one, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, before listing my engagements, I'm sure the whole House will, just, will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the family and friends of Lance Corporal David Wilson, 9th Regiment Army Air Corps, who died in Iraq on Thursday. We owe him and all those who have lost their lives serving our country a deep debt of gratitude. Mr Speaker, this morning I have meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Thank you also to my Russian friend for that reply and my own self for my condolences to the family concerned. Businesses and small businesses have welcomed the measures that have been brought in to help them through the current downturn. They are, however, concerned about the do-nothing and let's just see what happens they also have concerns about the way in which and the speed at which banks are responding to their requests. Can the Prime Minister please reassure me that this government will do all it can for homeowners, those businesses and the people who work in them? Yeah. Mr Speaker, we will do everything it takes. We led, we led the way in recapitalising our banks. We led the way in arguing for a fiscal expansion which other countries are now taking up. And we will be leading the way in the next few days. More help for the unemployed, announced in the Welfare Reform White Paper that we are putting forward today to help people into work. More help for homeowners when we have the mortgage summit tomorrow with the housing and building society industry. More help for small businesses when we announce our new measures that are in addition to the National Loan Guarantee Scheme that we have proposed, in addition also to the work that we are doing to help, to help defer the expenses of people who are faced with big bills as a result of the income tax. We are taking action. They would do nothing. David Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Lance Corporal David Wilson. His family, including his fiancée, Michelle, and his young daughter, Poppy, have suffered a devastating loss, and the whole House will want to send our condolences to them. I am going to ask the Prime Minister again about the need to get banks lending to businesses. Putting taxpayers' money into the banks was something supported by all parts of the House in order, yes, to rescue the banking system. But as the Governor of the Bank of England says, the purpose of recapitalisation was not merely to protect the banks, but to ensure the flow of lending to the real economy could continue at normal rates. Does the Prime Minister accept that on those terms his recapitalisation has failed, and when is he going to change it? Mr Speaker, the, f the first point of recapitalisation was to save banks that would otherwise have collapsed. And we not only saved the world, uh, saved the banks and saved... Saved the banks and led the way. We not only saved the banks. We worked with other countries to save the world's bank. We not only worked with other countries to save the world's banking system, but not one depositor actually lost any money in Britain. And that is the first thing. The second thing is to get the banks into a position where they can resume lending. And that is why interest rates have come down by 3.5% since 
something the opposition said was not possible, but actually happened. And the third thing to do is to work to remove all the barriers to interest rates and to the lending of money by the banks, and that is what we are doing in discussion with the banks now. Now, the opposition may not like the fact that we led the world in saving the banking system, but we did. Well, it's now on the record. He's, he's so busy talking about saving the world, he's forgotten about the businesses in the country. Country. All over the country there are businesses who have had interest rates increased and overdrafts restricted. I have got one here, a business in Derbyshire whose overdraft facility was restricted even though their order book was full and they have had to lay off 11 people as a result. This recapitalisation scheme isn't working. It needs to change if the banks are going to start lending again. Now, the Prime Minister keeps saying that everyone in the world has copied it, but no one has copied the details. He is lending to the banks at 12% and expecting them to lend out at 6%. Other countries aren't copying that, even though he thinks he's saving the world. Isn't that one of the things that needs to change and change now? Mr Speaker, he forgets that in addition to recapitalising the bank, we've set up the Small Business Loan Guarantee Scheme with an, with an extra billion pounds, which would not be possible if we took the advice from the Conservative Party. We've put an extra one billion pounds into export credits for small businesses, which would not be possible if we took the advice of the Conservative Party. We are getting four billion from the European Investment Bank. Four banks in Britain are already using that scheme that will enable money to flow to small businesses. And at the same time, the inland revenue, HMRC, is saying to people that we will defer payments of VAT, national insurance and income tax and corporation tax to enable them to have the cash flow that is necessary. So we are taking the measures that are necessary. Unfortunately, to do that, you have to be able to put a fiscal injection into the economy. Unfortunately, the Conservative Party opposes the extra investment that is needed. Unfortunately, the Conservative Party are still clinging to the failed policies of the 1980s. The fiscal stimulus has got nothing to do with saving the businesses that are going bust and need the lending from banks. The Prime Minister talks about the loan guarantee scheme. Does he know what percentage of loans to business the loan guarantee scheme covers? Does he know? 0.2%. That is how big it is. I know he's been around the world boasting about his recapitalisation scheme, so he's reluctant to change it, but for the good of the economy and our businesses, it has got to change. Now, if it's all going so well, if it's all going so swimmingly, why is it that the Council, why is it that the Council of Mortgage Lenders why is it the Council of Mortgage Lenders said yesterday the government needs to decide on its key priority? The tug of war with lenders being pulled in every direction at once needs to end. The government policy, they say, is conflicting and incoherent. Why do they think government policy is conflicting and incoherent? Speaker, the, 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 the Council of Mortgage Lenders has just supported our proposal to deal with repossessions in the mortgage market, something that not even the Conservative Party was able to support. And we are taking the action necessary. I'm sorry to have to teach them about what an economy is about. But if, if, we, are, if we are putting money into the small business loan guarantee system, if we are putting money into export credits, if we are putting public money into supporting businesses through a difficult period by deferring income tax and, 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 and corporation tax and national insurance and VAT, then we are using taxpayers' money rightly to help small businesses. 
Unfortunately, the difference between our two parties is he would do absolutely nothing and let the recession run its course. We are prepared to take the action that is necessary, but accept that it costs money. It's no good him complaining about extra borrowing if he's not prepared to take the action that is necessary to help small businesses. The difference between this side and him is while he thinks he's saving the world, we're talking about businesses in the real world, in the British economy. The Governor of the Bank of England says the single most pressing challenge to domestic economic policy is to get the banking system to resume lending again. If he wasn't wasting so much time and everyone's money on his pointless VAT cut, he could have spent more time on this. Now, just, just as the government supported lending between the banks, isn't it now time to underwrite lending to businesses? Isn't that the way to keep them afloat and to keep people in work? Will he now finally accept our proposal for a national loan guarantee scheme to make sure that happens. Mr Speaker, he's refusing to spend any taxpayers' money helping us out of this difficulty. And as for him rejecting the VAT cut that we are giving to consumers to enable them to spend, I hope that he will ask uh, the Chairman of the Public Accounts Committee to apologise for saying about the VAT cut, saying he was against it, he said, how will it help the poor to give them a few pence of consumer items they don't need? If ever that was uncaring conservatism, let him ask the Chairman of the Public Accounts Committee to apologise. Why can't the Prime Minister answer the question about our National Loan Guarantee Scheme? It's a fully work-through proposal that could help business now. now the CBI have welcomed it, the IOD have welcomed it, the Federation of Small Business has welcomed it, and the Guardian newspaper today... The, yeah, well, well, the Guardian get government leaks without anyone being arrested. <laughs> and the Guardian say this, the Conservatives have been advocating a national loan guarantee scheme that the Treasury may be trying to adapt. So, on the day he's copying our welfare reforms, and we'll have a statement about that in a minute, Will he swallow his pride and admit that he needs to copy our proposal for a national loan guarantee scheme? Isn't that that way to get business trading? Isn't that the way to keep Britain working? Yeah. Mr Speaker, again I've got to teach him something. We've already, got, we've already got a loan business guarantee scheme. It is worth £1 billion. It was announced as an extension in the budget. If the Conservatives haven't realised that, then there can be no help to small businesses and their constituencies. And on top of that, we've got an export credit scheme. On top of that, we've got defraying the expenditure, deferring the expenditure of VAT and income tax. On top of that, we've got the EIB scheme. I just said in answer to my first question, we are going to do more in the next few days because we want to do everything we can to help the economy move forward. But it cannot be done without being prepared to put the injection of money into the economy. And if the Conservatives stand for the policies of the 1980s and 1990s, where they did nothing as the unemployed and small businesses went to the wall, and do not allow the extra expenditure, they are on the wrong side of history. The Prime Minister is on the wrong side of mathematics. The loan, <laughs> the loan guarantee scheme, worth £1 billion, covers 0.2% of business lending. He, he cannot accuse us of doing nothing on a day we're proposing a multi-billion pound scheme to get business lending again. Yeah. 
But let's take a moment to look at his record. What did he do to put money aside for a rainy day? Nothing. What did he do to stop the fastest rise in unemployment for 17 years? Nothing. And what has he done to get real credit? What has, what has he done to get real credit moving in the real economy? Absolutely nothing. He said he would abolish. Wait a minute, you can save the world in a few moments if you like. He said he'd abolish boom and bust. He's brought this country to the brink of bankruptcy and the deepest recession of the G7. And isn't the person responsible him? Mr Speaker, yesterday, yesterday the leader of the Conservative Party said he would spend no more money. He said he would do nothing more by more finance to help people. He then went on to say he would cut spending in 2010. And that means cutting spending on the health service, on education and on other public services. I think, I think the Conservative Party enters 2009 with exactly the same policies as the 1980s. They will say anything to disguise the fact that they will do nothing. That's the Conservative Party we know and they are not fit for government. Alan Simpson. Actually, Mr Speaker, it's quite nice to have a Prime Minister who would save the world when we're faced with an opposition that can barely save face. specifically to address the initiatives he's been taking in respect to the need for a new architecture to underpin the international financial institutions. Will he take the lead in looking now at the opportunities for introducing a Tobin tax through the World Bank in order to ensure that what we're able to do is protect long-term and serious investment but deter the terrible destructive role that speculators have played in throwing us into the current recession. Mr Speaker, there are, there are many proposals uh, to deal with the reform of international financial institutions, to make them more able to deal with the problems that the world faces, not just the financial stability problems, but climate change. One, one would be the Tobin tax, which has been found by many people who have looked at it not to be able to be implementable. Another is to increase the resources available to the IMF and World Bank, and that is something that we're looking at now. Nick Clegg. I'd like to add my own expressions of sympathy and condolence to the family and friends of Lance Corporal David Wilson, who tragically lost his life in Iraq. Mr Speaker, recently a single mother with small children came to see me in Sheffield. She had with her a bundle of from the government. She had with her a bundle of letters from the government demanding her tax credits back. The letters were almost entirely incomprehensible, except for the bit which said that she was going to be dragged to court to pay back money to the government she didn't have. She was terrified. 
Does the Prime Minister think that this is the kind of help that people need in a recession? Mr Speaker, uh, tax credits uh, have gone up. They have helped more children out of poverty than any other policy that we've had. Of course, if there are details of the individual case he wants to bring to my attention, I I shall look at it. But I think he should recognise that tax credits have taken more children out of poverty than any other single measure. Is deluding himself. I know he thinks he's Atlas carrying the world on his shoulders. But the fact is that I have figures which show that he is now dragging 35 low income families a day to court. That is 10 times as many as last year. The tax credit system that he created is confused, bureaucratic, and cruel. When will he move to a system of fixed payments so that people don't have to live in fear that the money they get today will be taken away by him tomorrow? Mr Speaker, if there was a system of purely fixed payments, then we could not adjust the help that is necessary when people either become unemployed or income substantially falls in their family. The whole point of having a flexible system is to enable us to respond to the changes in people's circumstances. Of course I will look at the individual case that he has brought before the House. But I think he has got to recognise that six million families in this country receive child tax credits, that they 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 benefit from them, in some cases £70 for the first child, and that has done more to take people out of poverty and will continue to do so. And if he is seriously interested in attacking child poverty, he should be supporting tax credits, not opposing them. Martin Linton. The most important single reform of the health service that my constituents want is to have GP surgeries open in the evenings or at weekends. Can the Prime Minister confirm that nearly 5,000 GP surgeries, more than half the total, are now offering extended hours? And can he say when all of them will do so? Mr Speaker, GP surgeries are now open in 65% of the areas of the country in the evenings or at weekends. And they're open because we uh, demanded that the... Well, Mr Speaker, their policy policy is that GPs make their own decision, and that would mean that large numbers of GP surgeries would not be open in the evenings or at weekends. We have taken the decision, and we've provided the money, and it's only possible to provide the money for that by increasing the health service budget, which would not now be possible under the Conservatives' plans. The Warm Homes and Energy Conservation Act, which I had the honour to introduce in the Commons in the year 2000, places a duty on the Government to pursue a strategy to eliminate fuel poverty for vulnerable people by the year 2010 and for everyone by the year 2016. Given that the current strategy is clearly failing, with now 5.4 million people in fuel poverty, will the Prime Minister tear up the present strategy, listen to his own advisory group, save lives this winter, and meet the targets which are required in the Act? Mr Speaker, we have have just raised the winter allowance for pensioners to £250 for the winter months and for £400 for people who are over 80, uh, and there was no fuel or winter allowance under the Conservative Government at all. We have also, we have also introduced insulation uh, schemes that enable people to both insulate draft-proof and get central heating for their homes, and these, the warm front and other schemes, are being increased in value in the next period of time. Of course, in the last few months, oil prices have pushed gas and electricity bills up, But as you can see, oil prices are coming down and we want to see gas and electricity bills coming down and that will make a big impact on our ability to tackle fuel poverty. 
Buying local and paying promptly are two important ways of helping small businesses to stay in business. Will the Prime Minister, as well as uh, encouraging local and national government to play their part in this, also urge private, bigger businesses to play their part too? Mr Speaker, today the Business Secretary is holding a, a meeting to discuss with the Institute of Credit Management a prompt uh, payment uh, code. And that means that we are asking others to join us in the early payment that government departments are now making to businesses and to others. And I believe that other public authorities can do this, but I also believe that some of our mainstream large businesses should be in a position to help the smaller businesses in the country. So we will have a new prompt payment code, and I hope that as many businesses as possible will sign up to it. Paul Will the Prime Minister apply the same pressure to reduce interest rates on the student loan company as he is on the banks? And if the response is yes, can he ensure that any reductions are backdated to match the timing of the Bank of England reductions? Of course I will look at what he says, but he may know, he may know the arrangements for student loans and the interest rate charge are arrangements that have been set down in this House and are reviewed from time to time. Michael J. Foster. Yes, when it comes to helping those on benefits back into work, uh, would my right honourable friend agree that compassion and support are as important as compulsion in achieving that objective? Mm. Mr. Speaker, in our, in our welfare reform paper, what we are doing is giving more help to people who need it, particularly to enable them to return to work. But what we are also de doing is giving for people who have got disabilities the power to control the budget that they have themselves, to make their own choices about how best uh, that their condition can be treated and how services can be, uh, me meet their needs. And we intend to legislate for a right for those with dis disabilities where they want to, to control a single budget comprising services, benefits and other support. That is showing compassion as well as moving forward reform. Phil Willis. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, tonight, uh, my former constituent, Craig Hewitt, his actual moment of death will be shown on Sky Television. Many people in this House recognise that there is a real issue in terms of how we approach assisted dying, but at the moment it's illegal. And health and palliative care groups, as well as disability and other faith groups, oppose assisted dying. Does the Prime Minister regard this programme as being in the public interest, or is it simply distasteful voyeurism? Mr Speaker, these are very difficult issues, and we should all remember at the heart of any single individual case are families and people in very difficult circumstances who have to make for themselves very difficult choices. None of us, none of us would want to go through that. And I believe it is a matter of conscience, and there are different views on each side of the House about what should be done. I believe that it's necessary to ensure that there is never a case in the country where a sick or elderly person feels under pressure to agree to an assisted death or somehow feels it is the expected thing to do. And that's why I have always opposed legislation for assisted deaths. But on specifically the programme itself, I think it's very important that these issues are dealt with sensitively and without sensationalism. And I hope broadcasters will remember that they have a wider duty to the general republic and, of course, it will be a matter for the television watchdogs uh, when the broadcast is shown. Emily Thornbury. Local residents were outraged when the biggest lap-dancing club in the country was given a 24-hour licence by my local Lib Dem council. Shame. 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 Shame.
However, however, the good news is, as they understand it, that we are to increase the regulation of such establishments. Is my right honourable friend in a position to give us any further details today? Uh, we believe that any of these um, applications should take into account the wishes of local uh, residents uh, and be sensitive to the needs of people in this area, and we intend to legislate on that basis in the near future. Andrew Robertson. Mr Speaker, my constituents, Mr Steve Smith of TJ Trucking and Mr David Netley of Transport Enterprise, have both written to me in anger and desperation at their inability to get credit from their banks, banks that are now financed by the taxpayer. They particularly say that government help for small businesses is making it worse for them. Will the Prime Minister now adopt a national loan guarantee scheme for small businesses as we recommend? Mr Speaker, there is a small business loan guarantee scheme. Uh, There's no use the opposition denying the reality. There is a small business loan guarantee scheme. It is being increased to £1 billion. In addition, the the firms in his constituency uh, can ask the Inland Revenue to defer tax and VAT payments and at the same time, of course, I hope they will soon benefit from the price of fuel coming down. But I, I don't know if the, op- if, the op- if the opposition are prepared to admit that we are taking action on the Small Business Loan Guarantee and on export credits and on deferring uh, tax. It's no use them denying the reality. I agree that we will be doing more in the next few days, but I think it's important to recognise what is available at the moment and give people the real help that is available now. And we will finance that help compared with the opposition that wouldn't. Michael Connerty. I know my honourable friend has always been a supporter of the credit union movement, particularly community-based credit unions like I have in the Braes area of my constituency. Is he concerned that there is an order going through at the moment that will basically turn every single credit union into a basic bank and every account into a current account? allowing people to withdraw all of the deposits at any time. This is a great blow to the community-based credit union movement, and will he ask his minister to look again at that proposal? The purpose of the legislation is to enable credit unions to do more than they have been able to do in the past. And, of course, we will respond to consultations such as uh, the information and the recommendations that he wishes to make to us. But let me say there is an £80 million growth fund to expand the capacity of credit unions and community development finance. Since 2006, they've helped over 110,000 people. They're a major element in our financial system, and we want to give them all the support they need. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Children's Schools and Families Select Committee has just received chilling evidence from the Chief Inspector of Ofsted that between the 1st of April 2007 and the 31st of August 2008, 210 children died as a result of abuse. This is three times the level that was, uh, we were led to believe by the Department. Can, does the Prime Minister agree with me that there must be something profoundly wrong with our society when this death toll of the innocent goes ahead? And what can he do to do something about it? We have to do everything in our power to prevent the needless loss of young life as a result of child abuse. First of all, we must ensure that child protection arrangements uh, are effective everywhere, and that is why Lord Laming has been asked to undertake his urgent review of progress that has been made in these areas. Secondly, we need to train social workers more effectively, and that's why we've set aside £73 million for better training of our social workers in the years to come. Thirdly, and he's heard from Ofsted today, we are asking Ofsted to carry out inspections annually across the country, not biannually, but annually, in every area of children's services. 
and where there are inadequate case reviews, they must immediately convene an independent panel to reconsider these reviews uh, and report properly in the future. When we have Lord Laming's recommendations, we will take further, further action. If there is any mistake being made, people should be penalised, and if there is anything to change in the law, we should do it immediately. Chris Rowan. Mr Speaker, as Chair of the All Party Heart Group, I would like to inform the House that last year each member of the House lost 300 constituents to heart disease. Over the past 10 years, the, 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 the current 10-year plan to combat heart disease finishes next year. It has been an outright success with a 45% death in heart -related de drop in heart-related deaths. Will the PM ensure that his next 10-year plan is as successful as the last? Mr Speaker, ten years ago there were 35,000 heart operations in the country. Now there are 80,000 almost every year. Ten years ago people waited up, up to two years for a heart operation. Now virtually nobody waits more than three months. And mortality rates for cardiovascular disease are now the lowest since records begun. I believe we have a duty to fund the health service properly to enable them to tackle heart and other diseases in the way that doctors want to do so and with the speed that everybody wants. That depends on a properly funded health service. That would not be possible with the policies now being pursued by the opposition, but we will continue to fund the health service for the future. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The reality is that right across the United Kingdom, Small and medium businesses are going to the wall because the banks are not extending the credit on reasonable terms. Now, whilst we appreciate action has been taken, what further positive action can be taken to ensure that the credit gets to the small and reasonable businesses to stop them from going bust? Yep. What we want to, to do, and that's why we are encouraging the banks, and schemes have been announced by HSBC and other banks in the last few days. We are pressing them to announce further measures in the next few days. I believe that to match what the government has done, the banks must now respond in the way that I'm suggesting. And I believe that uh, no small business should be put in a position where it's got a good project, it's got good investment plans, it needs working capital or needs an overdraft, and that is withdrawn. And we are at one in trying to make sure that the banks operate for the public interest in this way. Order, Statement Secretary James Parnell. Yeah.